Amen, amen. It's so good to be with you, Eastview family. Praise Jesus together if you're visiting. It's like that. That's what we believe about him. I'm glad you're here to see it. It's good to be together. And I want to give you some encouragement today. Jesus is not running for re-election. He is the king still. He's always going to be the king. His kingdom's never going to end. No matter what happens this Tuesday, Jesus is still on the throne. I want you all to feel good about that today. I feel like I should say, my name is Mike Baker, and I approve this sermon. <laughs> That's all we've heard. If you're visiting today, we're glad you're with us. We want you to join with us and be a part of the family of God. If you don't know him yet as your Savior, we'd love for you to, uh, to get to know him. We want to introduce him uh, to you. Um, Katie from Wisconsin, God bless you. And Dave and Donna from West Virginia. And Rob and Catherine from Texas. And everybody watching us on our online campus, so good to be with you. I want to give a special shout out. Uh, to Shanoa, to our campus up there, our Shanoa brothers and sisters. You guys voted a couple weeks ago to become a part of Eastview Christian Church, so blessings on you, Pastor Jeff and Maxine. And uh, we're excited about this partnership. We got a lot of stuff to do to get it going, but we're ready uh, to, I, I believe God's gonna do something amazing in the northern, you guys happen to be the northern tip of McLean County, and we're loving McLean County, and I'm excited for the journey with you guys. We're going to come to our Bible teaching today in First Peter. If you're new to Eastview or it's been a while, this is what we do every week, open the Bible, because it's the Word of God, and it's alive, and it's true, and it's going to change us a little bit. And uh, because of the text today, i gotta, I got to remind you of four words that you probably don't like. But just say it, okay? You've heard them before. Because I said so. That's why. Why do I have to do the laundry? Why do I have to do the chores? Why do I have to make my bed? Usually it comes from a parent, and the parent usually gets tired of asking, answering why, and at some point, mom or dad just go, because I'm the parent, and I said so. But we get this idea of authority all the way through our life. Sometimes we might feel this way at work. They don't maybe say it, but the boss or the supervisor is, you just do this because I said so. Maybe it's a judge in a courtroom. Why do, because I have the gavel and I say so. Uh, could be a number of people in our lives whose titles and authority and their, their leadership over us, their position, it just says, because I said so. I'm a police officer, because I said so. I, I'm a coach, do it, because I have a whistle, right? I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm the leader of this team, I'm the leader of this family, I'm the leader of this ministry. I'm the captain. I started this band. I'm the oldest. I'm the owner. We're doing this or that, and we've all heard it. If you're a parent in here, you've said it. If you're a kid in here, you heard it because I said so. Now, the problem with this is, <laughs> is that we don't like that phrase. We want a little bit more behind the authority of the person that's saying it to us. In fact, we live in this culture, and the culture that we live in now, and I think it's been this way for all humanity, we don't like being told what to do. We just don't like it. And number two, we also don't really believe in the people that have authority all the time. Especially if you're a younger generation here, you have, uh, the polls are showing you distrust authority and authority figures more than ever before. Well, you're in luck today, because today I'm going to say that you should obey authority, and you should do what you're told to do. And it's going to be in a biblical terminology. Because here's the thing. I know you don't like being told what to do. Neither do I. And I know that you don't trust every, you don't trust every authority figure. Even in your teenage years, you don't trust mom and dad have your best interest in mind when they say, because I, told, I said to do this. 
But here's the question for us. If we're following Jesus Christ, is it okay to have that attitude? Is it okay just to go, I don't like authority, I don't trust authority, so I don't have to do what they say, or like my sister used to say, you're not the boss of me, right? Jesus taught us a different way when it comes to authority. Jesus said, we have to submit. And if you're wondering, and if you're visiting, this is not easy. So just brace yourself for the, new, the next four Sundays because we're gonna talk about submitting to everyone in society, citizens to government, Servants to masters, wives to husbands, church members to elders, culminating in this life that's just all submitting to God. So, y'all ready? We're gonna submit, we're gonna be humble. We are called to choose under, and that's what's gonna happen today. If you're visiting today, if you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, maybe watching online, this is like coming to the zoo. You get to watch Christians in their natural habitat. <laughs> this is what we believe, this is what we preach, and so you get to spy on us today, all right? Here we go, 1 Peter chapter um, 2, and we'll start with verse 13 and read to the end of that chapter. 1 Peter chapter 2. Remember, this is a letter that Peter is writing to Christians dispersed all through what we would call modern-day Turkey. And he's writing, uh, and he says these words. Be subject, some of your versions say submit, so this is the same word. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil or to, uh, and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor, servants, be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and the gentle, but also to the unjust. For this is, the gracious, is a gracious thing when mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. For what credit is it if, when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? But if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. Yet when he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but he continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. For you were straying like sheep, but have now returned the shepherd and the overseer of your souls. Let's pray and ask the Lord to teach us today because this is a big learning for us. God, would you come now in this place? I'm still learning after all these years of following Jesus, what it means to submit, what it means to be subject, what it means to choose under. So I know this is not easy, but God, I pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would convict us and give us the strength to change, change our minds, change our actions, and if there's someone here far from God today, they've never said yes to Jesus, I pray today, God, you would draw them to your son because of how he chose to sacrifice so that they might live. God, um, I pray now that you would preach thousands of sermons on every heart and every soul as only you can do by the power of your great name, the power of resurrected Jesus, the power of the Holy Spirit. Come now and speak to us. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, being subject, 
That's the word there in verse 13 and verse 18, and we're gonna find it in chapter three, verse one next week. Or many of your versions say submit is not an easy word, but it certainly is relevant and, and, uh, and appropriate, timely for this culture and where we're at right now. Because we don't like submitting and we don't like authority and we don't doing, like doing what other people tell us to do. But this word is in the Bible so much we can't ignore it. I'd like to, because they're really, frankly, easier sermons to preach than one that says, hey, y'all, you need to submit and subject. But there, this word is in the Bible so much, there must be something to it. And when you come to a word in the Bible, you've got kind of three options. You can either go, I'm going to ignore that. I'm going to skip on to some happy Jesus stuff. Or you can say, I don't buy that. And, uh, and you can just say, I'm not going to listen to that. I don't like that word, and I'm not going to hear it, and I'm not going to do it. Or you can say, maybe... God's trying to teach me something. You know, being a follower of Jesus Christ, a disciple literally means to learn. So I'm just asking all of you to join me today and let's learn something together and let's begin by learning this word. This word, hupotasso. It is the Greek word. Hupo is a, is a prefix that means under. Tasso means to place or to put. So this word subject, submit, means to place yourself under somebody or something else. To place or arrange under. And that is the word that we're gonna look at today that means to submit or subject. For the Christ follower, this is a really important word because for Christ followers, I just lost my place in my notes and that was gonna be awesome. People were gonna weep and come to faith in Christ. and There it is. For the Christ follower, we give in to authority not because they said so, but because Jesus said so, and we submit to him. We choose under. And that's what this sermon's all about. That's what the next four weeks are all about. That's where we got the, the, the whole title, is that we choose to place ourselves under because we are followers of Jesus Christ. And we begin with a really hard one. And it's really, really apropos that we're talking about it in this super divisive government political culture that we live in. Here's what it says. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution. Now, I wanna, I wanna go back here and I wanna look at verse 17 because I'm gonna kind of use that as a guide. Uh, I don't know if Peter intended this as kind of like a guide to everything he's saying here, but he kind of gives a summary. I'm gonna use this to walk us through the sermon. Look at verse 17. Honor everyone. Love the brotherhood, fear God. And I love this because it's as if the first reader is going, everyone, honor the emperor. Are you sure? Honor everyone, okay. You know, I, I, I can kind of get that. Love the brotherhood, that's what we are here today, the followers of Jesus Christ. Okay, I, I can, I can kind of deal with that. Uh, fear God, yes, totally understand that. Honor the emperor? Peter, do you know who the emperor is? The emperor is Nero. He is decidedly historically wicked. He's a bad guy. He reportedly historically used Christians in garden parties as living torches. He was a wicked guy. Peter, love the brotherhood, got it. Fear God, got it. Honor everyone, got it. Honor the emperor, honor Nero. See, Christ followers are called to do something that nobody else is called to. It must have been hard if you were one of the people that you knew Nero had persecuted or that Nero had shut down a business or that you had lost money because of Nero. But Peter, there it is. Fear God, honor the emperor. 
The words used here in verse 13 for submitting to every human institution is a word that in context talks about the government. And again, the government was totally different in the first century Roman world. It was the emperor. He says, you do. That's kind of the way it was. No voting, no politics, no, uh, you know, no ads, no campaigns. But it indicates, this word for human institution here in verse 13, indicates any organization that is put together by humans to make society better. So as you can see here in verse 14, it talks about governors who were sent. We know some governors in the Bible. Pilate, not a good dude. Uh, we have Festus and Felix, not good guys that were governors over the Judea um, uh, you know, county. I said county of Judea. The county of Judea, yes. It was actually a territory, but we'll call it a county. And, 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 and all these organizations, schools and organizations that help uh, uh, the, the community out, all of these fall under this category of human institutions. Now, if you think that Peter's just lost his rocker here, off his rocker, or lost his mind, if you lose your rocker, you'll fall off your mind. Anyway, <laughs> I've got so much to say. I've got so much to say today. I'm just anxious. I want to tell you all of it, but I can't. Okay, here's what, here's what Paul, the apostle, writes in the 13th chapter of Romans, a book, again, written to Roman Christians. And he says this, be subject to governing authorities. These authorities have been established by God. Their authority, their, since they have their authority by God, they, they are therefore to go against them is to go against God. I'll put more on this in just a moment. But it's not lost on me, guys, that this sermon falls on the Sunday before midterm elections, and this is a crazy divided world. Even among Christians, we become politically divided. And this idea of submitting to, to choosing to go under the authority of somebody is just too much for us. It's just too much because that's not what CNN and Fox tell us. That's my number one Christian thing that I gift you as a pastor. Stop watching those shows. And I would just tell you, get those cable, those cable shows off. I know, no applause because you disagree. But I will tell you, I will tell you, you'd be better off at following Jesus Christ if you did, all right? It's just extra stuff. Nobody, nobody paid for that, okay? Uh, but here's what it says, guys. Honor everyone. Everyone? Nero? Governor Pritzker? Donald Trump? Even the Democratic candidate that is so evil that you hate them? The Republican candidate that you think is just a bad person? Them? Honor them? If we went to Peter and Paul and we said, hey, what about seriously, these guys? Peter and Paul would look at us and say, dude, Nero! You have nothing compared to Nero. And I'm telling you to honor the emperor. And guess what? This is going to shock you, but that's true freedom. I've heard a lot the last couple of years from people in my church and other places where we talk about God-given freedoms. I don't find many of them in the scripture. It sounds more like John Wayne than Jesus to me. But here's what I will tell you. Look at verse 16. There is a way to be free. Live as people who are free. Yes, I'm in. What's that mean? Not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. How can freedom and servant be in the same context? How can it be in the same verse? He's writing about freedom, and he says, be servants. What is he talking about? But I want you to just to consider this thought here today. If freedom is the ability to choose, then freedom is, in Christ is the ability to choose under. You're free to choose 
to be under someone else's authority. And you know what that is? That's freedom. Jesus didn't die on the cross, so you can just go do whatever you want and have freedom, personal freedom, to do whatever feels good to you. He says, don't use your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. You know why Jesus died for us? So we could be free to serve other people. That's a freedom choice. You get to choose, amen? Yes, let's go. So Christ following means that, that you can submit to governing authorities even if they aren't that good. By the way, Jesus did this. He submitted to Pilate. He submitted to Herod, evil people. We'll get back to Jesus' example in a minute. But then we go on to this other hard passage here. Verse 18, servants, be subject to your masters. Servants, choose under with your masters. This idea of being God's servants brings us to being servants, actual real servants in the Bible days. Remember what it says in verse 18? Honor everyone. Oh, if you're a servant, then even the master. Now pay close attention because verses like this in the Bible are what people who don't understand Jesus and his teaching use to wrongly accuse the Bible or particularly guys like Peter or Paul and the early church leaders of endorsing abusive realities like slavery. But that's not true. And so if you're, if you're wondering, if you're, if you're going, okay, what's the explanation? Why so much slavery stuff? Well, listen, first of all, when you read the Bible, you have to go back to what the first century context was. What was it like in first century Rome when he wrote, slaves, servants, be subject to your masters? We can't impose the wickedness of slavery in our antebellum American history onto the slavery or servanthood of the Roman world. It's totally different. In fact, statistics will show there were 50 million people that lived in the Roman Empire at its height, and it's the first century. And at that time, at least one out of every five people in the kingdom were slaves. They were servants. In fact, the, it gets higher in Italy, in the Italian part of the Roman Empire, one out of every three people was a servant. They had gotten there maybe by being an indentured servant because they owed debt or because they approached somebody and said, let me pay my debt off by serving you. Or maybe the family needed a secure place to grow up and live. Or it was a penalty of a crime. And of course, there were war slaves. It wasn't all beautiful. But the reality is, the reason is so much is written in the Bible about slavery is because Christianity had a great appeal to this group of people. And think about this. If one-fifth of the people who lived in McLean County were slaves. And we said, hey, when you come here, you're equals. There's no slave, there's no master. There's no, you're just equal with everybody in Jesus Christ. Do you think people would come if they were slaves? Yes. Church is the only place in the world where you can find equality, where you can find a place to belong and to be loved. And so can you imagine in the first century, the churches were filled. I have no statistics on this, but I imagine that most churches in the first century were 50% servants. Because that's where I'm going to church, man. I'm going to church where they love me regardless of my state in life and where I am and my station in life. I am going to go to church. And so we have so much in the Bible about slaves and how slaves are supposed to live out their Christian faith because so many of the first Christians were probably enslaved. Now, again, I just want to go back to the American history part and how terrible it is. Oppression of any kind has never been the Christ-following way. Slavery is anti-God and anti-Jesus. I know I don't need to say that in church, but sometimes I feel like I have to remind us. In fact, if you want to go to 1 Timothy 1.10, you'll see enslavers 
written uh, there with all the list of sins, of bad things that bad people do. And owning slaves is one of them. And being a person that buys and sells slaves is one of those things. But there were Christians, uh, particularly in the American South, that used verses like this to justify slavery. They were wrong. Okay, can we just say, sometimes Christians use the Bible to make it say what they want. And they took some of these and they turned that into a Christianity that was not resembling anything that Jesus wanted us at all. But I will say this, I want you to understand something. It was the Christians in mostly England and America that pushed to abolish slavery because they understood the truth of the scripture to be something other, right? And so listen, um, I I, I don't have time to really um, make this apply to your life exactly today, but most of us in here, I mean a large percentage of us have never been or ever will be slaves, okay? So what do we do with this? Well, it means that, you know that nasty boss? You know that mean teacher? You know that coach that you just can't get along with? I think what the Apostle Paul would say, listen, if he's saying to servants, you submit, then you should submit to people in authority. I know that's not what you want to hear. And again, especially if you're a younger generation because you're just going, well, I'm not going to trust them because they're no good and I don't have to do what they say. I think the Bible teaches us that we're choosing under with government officials. We're choosing under with people in our lives that have authority over us. Here's exhibit A, in case you're wondering about what the Bible really thinks about all people. Here's exhibit A, and you'll probably see this several times during the next few weeks. Uh, This is what Paul wrote. People are like, Paul hated people. He liked to enslave people. He was down on people of, you know, a, a lower station in life. Here's what he wrote. There's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither black nor white. You might as well put it in our language. There's neither slave nor free. There's neither homeless person nor millionaire. There's neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. That's the good news of Jesus Christ. And so when you come to these passages, yes, let's clap for Jesus. When you come to these passages, you have to put them in context of the entirety of Scripture. The Apostle Paul taught clearly that everyone was equal in God's eyes. And he did not endorse slavery, but he did instruct Christian slaves on how to live. He also instructs all of us to do something else. Go back to that verse again, verse 17, honor everyone. Number two, love the brotherhood. If we are supposed to submit to the government who could or could not be evil like Nero, and if we're supposed to submit to masters and bosses who could be evil and not trusting, then guess what? We have to put ourselves under, we have to choose under when it comes to other brothers and sisters in Christ, to Christ followers. Honor everyone, love the brotherhood. In light of choosing under as a stance, placing ourselves under those who have authority in our culture, it goes double for those of us in the church. We're called to choose under government authority, people with authority in our lives, and of course, brothers and sisters in Christ. Paul writes in Ephesians 5.21, submit to one another, Submit, choose under one another. Why? Because there's some people in our church that maybe I don't like or get along with, or they don't like me. Out of reverence for Christ, Paul says, Ephesians 5.21. That's what, that's what Peter says here. Look in verse 13. Be subject for the Lord's sake. Why would I ever put myself under somebody else? It could just be God yelling from heaven saying, submit because I said so. I hope his voice is way more powerful than that. But, but we don't choose under because God yelled, I said so. We, we, we choose under because he did so through Jesus. You see, God chose under. 
When I choose under, I do it because God chose under for me. Look in verse 24. It's in the same passage you read. He himself bore our sins in, the body on the, in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. By his wounds, we've been healed. We were straying like sheep. We had gone astray, but he brought us back. Guys, there's only one way that I can have eternal life through Jesus Christ, my Lord, and that's because God lowered himself. He chose under me, and he chose under you. And if you're a follower of Jesus Christ today, or not a follower of Jesus Christ, watching online here, I'm telling you, there is a God who loves you so much, he would give up himself to die for you. There's no other love like that in the world. You can't find it anywhere else, amen? There's no greater lowering than when the God of the universe chose under. Now at this point, I, I can see the hamsters running in your heads. I know some of you are still skeptical. You're saying, yeah, pastor, that's great. I appreciate it, nice sermon. I'm gonna go eat some Chinese food. I don't know why Chinese food, but sounds good. But you might be thinking, authority and authority figures in my world have been harmful to me. Maybe you have suffered under the hands of a crooked politician or a prejudiced cop. Maybe a boss has abused their power with you. Maybe a spouse or a parent has emotionally or verbally or physically hurt you. Or even a church leader has given you reason to doubt their authority. I want to acknowledge that, and I want you to understand that there are some times where you are called and given license in Scripture to not follow authority. So real quickly, I can't spend a bunch of time here because this is not the sermon, but I just want to show these to you. They're in your notes online, or there's a hard copy here if you're here. Biblical exceptions to choosing under. You don't have to choose under when authority demands you to sin. If authority says you have to sin, as in the case with Exodus 117, remember Pharaoh was telling the people of God, throw your little baby boys into the river. And... Uh, and they didn't. And in, and in Hebrews 11, they were commended for obeying God rather than Pharaoh, okay? So, so there's one thing. When authority violates my relationship with God, when authority says you can't do, you can't do what, what you do to be close to God. We have that story great in Daniel chapter three and Daniel chapter six. The, the decree was, hey, you three guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you have to bow down to this idol and worship it. They said, nah. We're not going to. We don't have to obey that, right? And then, of course, Daniel was told not to pray to anybody except the king. And Daniel, I love Daniel. He's like, not only am I going to pray, but I'm going to open the window so y'all see me pray, right? And he did. He rebelled against government, and that was honored by God. Number three, when authority demands me to go against God's word. When, 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 when I'm told not to declare what I believe to be true, this is two cases, these scriptures are where the apostles were told by the, the spiritual leaders, don't preach about Jesus, they're saying, sorry, we have to talk about what we've seen and heard. We cannot but help to speak about Jesus Christ. We must obey God rather than men. I know some of you guys here, I'm just a, a quick mention, some of you in the education world, teachers and administrators, I know there are a lot of rules that are out there right now that you're going, I don't know how to do it. Well, just take it one day at a time, and uh, if, if your authority demands you to go against what you believe, then don't do it. Well, that's easy for you to say because I could lose my job. I know. And that's part of the persecution that, that Peter's talking about in the first century. But I want to encourage you that you have, I think, a biblical license to 
not go against God's word and take it case by case. The, the final piece is when there is a way out from under abusive authority. If you're in an abusive marriage or in an abusive relationship, if you're a kid that's being abused by parents, I think the Bible gives us license. We have the running away of Hagar, the, the handmaid of Sarah in Genesis 16. And then Acts 22, 25, one of, these, one of these few cases where the apostle Paul used his Roman citizenship to get out of a beating. We mentioned this week, even in the, in the, um, in the preaching team meeting, sometimes Jesus slipped out. He was getting ready to be stoned. He's getting ready to be thrown off a hill. And all of a sudden he's like through the crowd and he's gone. You, you, you shouldn't take abuse. You shouldn't stay in a relationship that's going to harm you, okay? And I think that's biblical for that. You can find, again, brothers and sisters who will help you. Well, I've said all of that to get to this third part of verse 17. Honor everyone. Everyone? Yeah, even the emperor. Love the brotherhood. That makes sense. Fear God. Do you know where this whole thing of choosing under comes from? It's our fear of God. The word phobos in the, uh, the Greek language where we get phobias from, it's idea of trembling before God. And it's not scared like he's gonna strike us dead, but it's scared like I know he could strike me dead. It's a healthy respect for who he is and his power. And the reason we're compelled to love other people, to serve other people, to choose under with other people is because I honor God. I fear God. Ultimately, I can submit to others because God, that honor that I fear, he tells me to. And sooner or later, that has to come into my everyday life. I can't just sing about it on Sunday. I got to live it on Monday. I want you to see this. Choosing under is the will of God. Okay? Look what it says in verse, uh, well, first of all, in verse 15, this is the will of God. <laughs> okay? Verse 19, we, we serve mindful of God. Verse uh, 20, it's a gracious thing to suffer in the sight of God. Every time we lower ourselves under someone else, we're mindful that God is watching. We're mindful that this is the will of God. We're mindful that we're following his will. What does that mean? That, that God has established every authority, like Paul writes in Romans 13. Every authority. Listen to this. This is, this is crazy. Because you've, you've been watching the ads, right? You've been watching the politics, this is what the Bible says. Every authority that exists has been established by God. How can that be? What does it mean? When President Trump was elected, God established that. When President Biden was elected, God established that. Kim Jong-il in charge of North Korea, God established that. The wicked King Messiah in the Old Testament who ruled for 55 years wickedly in Jerusalem, God established his throne. How can that be? Well, you know God. He has a certain set of skills that he can take people out anytime he wants. He can elevate them anytime he wants. He can move them sideways. He can move them out. So, so when we say that this president's elected or this governor's elected or this, this council person's elected, we say, is that the will of God? It must be. It means he's going to use that reality to accomplish his eternal and perfect will. And, and you might be saying, how could God let some corrupt governments, inhumane institutions, abusive parents, or ruthless authorities continue? How? How can this happen? How can he ask me to submit to those realities? And here's the theological answer I got for you today. I don't know. I don't know. And that's a good thing. Because if I knew, I'd be God. If I knew, I'd understand exactly what he's up to, this whole thing called humanity. 
Here's what I will say. Here's what the prophet Isaiah said, and this is really appropriate for us during this political season and this idea of submitting. My thoughts are not your thoughts, says God. Neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. God, how could you possibly let this person be elected? How could you possibly let me be in this relationship? How could you possibly let me be under this person's authority? And the answer is, my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. But if you're in Jesus Christ, I can work all things together for the good for those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. Amen? We fear God because he knows stuff that we don't know. And he's accomplishing a plan that we don't understand. But here's the other cool thing, especially as it relates to our love McLean County, choosing under leads to doing good. Did you see all the doing good here in this passage? Uh, verse 14, is, is they, not, they praise those who do good. Verse 15, that by doing good, you should put to silence ignorant people. Doing good silences the critics. We've lived this out here the last 10 years as the people of Eastview. You know, we have friends now because of COVID and the way that we've served and loved people during this time. And we've expanded our, you know, our presence in Bloomington and some of the greatest places of need in our culture. And guess what? Now we go to council meetings and people love us. They don't agree with us. They don't like our beliefs. But you know what? Our good deeds have put to silence the critics. And I believe that that's the way that you uh, approach anyone who has authority over you, even if they're not treat, treating you well, you do it by serving them. We use our freedom again in verse 16 to become servants of God. It is servanthood to other people, even people who don't deserve it, that is the greatest message for Jesus Christ in our lives. That's how we're gonna change the world. The church, I want you to hear this, the early church conquered the Roman Empire. Not by, not by tanks, not by wars, not by armies, not by legislation, not by electing the right Nero. They did it because they loved and served in Jesus' name until the people went, wow, I want to be one of them. That's what Love McLean County is all about. Jesus says this, and maybe you don't know where this, this phrase comes from, but Matthew 5, 41, he tells a story. He says to his disciples, hey, listen, if anyone forces you to go with them one mile, then go with them two miles. Now, there's a rule in the Roman Empire that if you were a Roman soldier could come up to you and say, hey, carry my stuff. You had to carry that stuff for them a mile. That was the legal reality. You had to do it, no matter who you were. Now, Jesus says, hey, you know what would be cool? When you get to the end of that first mile, go, hey, I feel good. Let's keep going. And the Roman soldier who's using authority and power over you will see something different. You're submitting and you're saying, I'll go the extra mile. The Bible way of changing the world we live in is for Christ followers to lower themselves and do good to others by going the extra mile. That's what we're trying to do with loving McLean County. We're gonna serve and love in Jesus' name until every town and every place and every person has seen our servant attitude and they fall in love with Jesus because of it. Amen? Yes. Well, choosing under is not just serving other people, but it's trusting the one who judges justly. Again, I, I'm running out of time. I really need about a two-hour sermon, but that would be bad for the nursery. Uh, <laughs> but as I look at this, choosing under is trusting the one who judges justly. That's why Jesus went through what he did. Verse 18, some servants have masters who are unjust. 
Verse 19, sometimes servants endure sorrows, suffering unjustly. Verse 23, Jesus suffers unjustly. He's reviled, he's suffered, he's persecuted, and he dies in, uh, in our stead. And the reason he does it is because he trusts that God's gonna bring judgment. There is a God who judges justly. If you're sitting there today and go, oh, I just want justice. I want them to pay for what they've done. I want everybody to pay for what they've done. Be careful because you've done some stuff. I want everybody to have justice. I want this world to be just place to live. So do I. And guess what? So does God. And someday, it will be justice. And we can trust the one who judges justly, just like Jesus did. There's one other reason that I would encourage us all to choose under. It's because we're followers of Jesus Christ and Jesus chose under. It's the example of Jesus Christ that Peter uses in the end of this chapter to make his argument about submitting, subjecting. Along with uh, I said so, there's another bad common parenting phrase (laughs) that says, do what I say, not what I do. Of course, that never works. Your children, your grandchildren, your brothers and sisters will end up doing what you do. They will become like you. All kids, all ages, eventually end up doing what authority figures in their lives do instead of what they say. And now we have the authority figure, Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, who comes and he says, he could say, do this because I said so. But instead, by giving his life on the cross and dying for our sins, he says, do this because I did it for you. And now I want you to choose under in your relationships, in this society, in the culture in which you live. I want you to choose under because that's, those are the footsteps I've left behind for you to follow. And by doing so, you're gonna attain the glory that I've attained through the Father by the death, burial, and resurrection. Guys, he lowered himself and became a servant. He chose under me, you, and everyone so we could live. And so, by his strength, we choose under. Amen.